Welcome to the Resilient Rehab Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Effer. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today we're going to be talking about progression and regression model, why I believe it's flawed, and why there are other ways that we can be thinking about exercise selection and how we can progress exercises more effectively. And so this really came down to when I started in this industry, all coaches, trainers, and therapists were always trying to find this progression and regression of an exercise. So for example, like if we have a squat, right, the bodyweight squat is a regression of a goblet squat, which is a regression of the front squat, which is a regression of the back squat. And of course, there's tons of exercise you can add within that mix and really took a lot of the thinking out of programming and exercise selection. I mean, if you think about it, if I give somebody a bodyweight squat, I'm going to automatically think, okay, the progression is this. So A equals B. And that doesn't leave a lot of variety or variation in terms of what we're seeing from an assessment standpoint. Why do we really need to assess if, you know, we have this type of category or this type of exercise selection model that doesn't really require a lot of assessment to go from one phase to the next. It's really the more of this subjective experience, right? It's like, okay, I'm doing this bodyweight squat. It feels pretty easy. It looks pretty easy. Okay, I'm going to go to the next one. So I'm going to go to the goblet squat. I'm not going to jump to the front squat because that's going to probably be too big of a jump for this person based on this type of scale of easy to hard. And that doesn't leave a lot of, again, a lot of room for this conscious and cortical thinking from an assessment standpoint. Instead, I may start people with a front squat or I may start somebody with a safety bar squat. It depends on a lot of different things. And a bodyweight squat may not be very appropriate for somebody who's very stiff, but based on this type of model, If somebody's stiff and not very well trained, maybe it's where we should be starting. But that's not really the case. I haven't found that to be the case. I found that bodyweight squats are probably um, one of the harder movements for this person to be. So I would actually consider that maybe a progression of sorts. Because sometimes these people need some type of constraint like a load to help them counterbalance themselves to be able to get into these positions. Because again, if we think about it from the previous episodes, we started talking about people who are on toe off, who are very stiff. Their center of gravity is really in their toes. And so being able to cue them into their heels or shift their weight back to their heels is very difficult. And they probably can't do that themselves. Maybe it's they don't have this mind to body connection. They can't even sense their feet. I mean, I can't tell you how many times that I've assessed somebody and I'll always ask, where do you feel the pressure in your feet? And it's crazy how many people look down at their feet because they have no idea where they are in space. It's crazy. So by assuming somebody that we can get them back towards their heels, probably not. Um, It's probably not going to happen. And so I prefer using constraints. So I prefer using these external things to kind of force them in the positions I want. That could be holding onto a cable, that could be elevating their heels, sitting them to a box. And then again, within variation or within reason, because I don't want to put them in positions that 
they can't access. You know, a bodyweight squat is really a squat that's kind of free falling. And these people who don't have a lot of range of motion, well, they're going to stiffen up when their body feels that it can't control itself. So to me, it's it's this model that has been used for a long time. And don't get me wrong, it's very great at the beginning. I can see where we can use it to some degree, but I really do believe that there are better ways to think about this. And again, I may sound like a broken record, but if we start to think about categorizing exercises based on gait, or more specifically, based on whether it shifts our center of gravity forward or back, then we now have a exercise selection model that is mirrored or can be paired up with our assessment measurements. We can start to categorize exercises based on phases within our own assessment. So in my Evolve mentorship or those who have taken my Evolve mentorship, you'll see that I divide my assessment measurements into three different phases. So the squats, three different phases, the toe touch is divided into three different phases, straight leg raise among others. And the purpose of that is that each individual phase or degree of motion is paired with specific biomechanical movements that happen within the body. And that can then be extrapolated into being very similar from a theoretical standpoint to gait. So now I can say, okay, this assessment measurement is a number two, and that could be a range, right? I'm not saying that two out of three is 90 degrees of hip flexion, it's a range. Maybe it's 90 to 120, maybe it's 60 to 90, depending on what the movement is. But I can start to categorize exercises within these different phases. So if this person is a two on a toe touch, two on a straight leg raise, I could two on a hip flexion, I can be like, well, this person has enough hip flexion to get into a squat at 90 degrees. Okay, so now what kind of exercises can I manipulate to become 90 degrees? I've got squats that I want to implement. So how can I start to create a squat variation that respects the fact that they only have 90 degrees of hip flexion? It respects the fact that they have some degree of stiffness. They have some degree of internal rotation, but they don't have the depth that I want. Okay, so that means their center of gravity must be a little bit forward. So what I could do is I can elevate their full foot, put their full foot on a ramp because if I elevate their full foot, that's going to push their weight towards their toes. So they have to counterbalance and reactively shift their weight back in towards their heels. Otherwise, they're going to fall on their face. And so we're using the nervous system as like, okay, I'm pushing you towards your toes even more. You're going to have to shift your weight back if you don't want to fall over. So that's kind of what the heels elevated does. It opens up some room in the front of the hips and the front of the ankle, and it opens up in between our shoulder blades. Okay, so I've got that. I can then get them to squat to a box and stack the box up to a certain position. So maybe I stack the box to you know, 90 degrees of hip flexion, and now I want to put the weight in front of them. Okay, so maybe I do a goblet, maybe I do a double kettlebell. Maybe I do a front squat, or maybe I do a TRX, maybe I do holding onto cables. So there's so many different variations that I can start to build an exercise. And then maybe I want to put a band around their knees without them pushing. I'm not getting them to push the band out. But what the band will do is it'll keep the femurs in a certain position to allow the hips to move or the pelvis to move around it and allow the tibias to move underneath the band. So into tibial internal rotation, foot pronation. So I have all these different elements, but I couldn't possibly write this variation in a 
list of exercises from progression to regression because that variation may not be very effective for somebody who's in toe-off or somebody who is in heel strike or who has their center of gravity back more or has their center of gravity too far forward, right? I have to organize exercises based on their center of gravity. So for me, I see categorizing exercises based on a progression of their center of gravity forward or a progression or a regression of their center of gravity backwards versus thinking about exercises as being easy or hard. A front foot elevated split squat can bury somebody, but be easy for somebody else. And it's not that it's easy, it's that they have a certain range of motion that allows it to make it more simple. But I gave that same person the front foot elevated split squat that found it easy, a rear foot elevated split squat, and it's very difficult for them. But the person that had a hard time with the front foot elevated found the rear foot easier, relatively speaking. I mean, look, the Bulgarian split squat is going to feel very difficult no matter what, but um, especially if, if you add all these different constraints, but it may feel relatively easier than the person who found the front foot elevated easier. And that because that's because the front foot elevated split squat, although it does improve internal rotation, there is more of a bias or more of an improvement towards external rotation, whereas the rear foot elevated split squat is more towards internal. And we'll talk a lot more about that in future episodes. But see, it's, it's not as clean cut as saying that, okay, I'm going to pick exercises that I think are easy. And don't get me wrong, I 100% did that early on in my career. I would write regression and progression exercises or lists of exercises so that I can make my program design easier. But what I would say is that if you want to have a more progressive mindset or a more progressive outlook on exercise selection, you will write on the top of a page the four different phases of gait, heel strike, early, mid stance, late mid stance, and toe off. And then think of the heel strike going towards toe off as a forward progression of, of our center of gravity. Right. If you write exercises based on those categories and based on how you can manipulate the exercise based on the biomechanics that it is related to based on that phase of gait and that phase of progression, I promise you, you're going to have way more all-encompassing exercise. For those who have taken my upper and lower body program, you'll see how I've integrated the exercises into those three different phases and how I've progressed exercise from heel strike, mid stance, and toe off, or heel strike, early mid stance, and late mid stance, right? You'll see how I've progressed those exercises and it was very intentional based on assessment measurements. And I've, again, selected exercises that are common, like chest presses and rows and squats and split squats and categorize them into exercises that are based on range of motion and based on 
where their center of gravity is into those three different phases. And so what I would say to you is if you can write down on a piece of paper and you can write exercises that come to mind, then you're going to have a way better view on exercise selection and it's going to match with your assessment so much more easier than it would thinking, okay, this person's very stiff. Let's stick in body weight squat. Well, we can get faster results by thinking of categorizing, exercising this way. And what you'll feel is, is you're going to see that your clients are going to struggle less. They're going to succeed more. And then at the end of the day, you'll get more success. I confidently can say that you will get more success using this model than using the traditional progression regression. Thank you so much for joining me in today's episode. I hope you enjoyed this discussion on progression regression. I know it's a different perspective and I know some people, you know, maybe throwing or ripping apart their piece of paper where they have their progression regression list. Or maybe they're just like, you know what, Alex? I don't care what you say. I like my progression regression list. That's totally cool. But either way, I hope it got you thinking one way or another. I'm not saying that anything's bad. I'm just saying that we can probably make things even better. And so if you found that maybe you're thinking a little bit differently, even though you're not throwing the baby out of the bathtub when in terms of the progression regression, as long as you've found that I have helped, you know, maybe question the dogma in some case, then that's all that I'm looking for. I'm really happy to hear that. Um, I'd love to hear your feedback and, and or connect with you. So you can find me on Instagram at alex.effer or on my YouTube at Resilient Rehab. Keep on moving and I'll see you next time.